This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this Sunday as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening via live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via podcast, please know you are a valued member of our community. My name is the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today we gather the 11th Sunday after Pentecost with our special guest preacher, the Reverend Victoria Hart Gaskell. Victoria serves as chapel associate for Methodist students. We gather today to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
our grace, love, and power. To you our hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may love you more dearly and worthily give glory to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. All are welcome at the Lord's table to be in companionship with him, to repent of sin, and to seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Dearly beloved, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you always and also with you. Let us exchange with one another signs of peace and love. Please be seated. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, let us pray together. Gracious, loving, holy God, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, adapted from the 10th and 11th chapters. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, 
a centurion of the Italian cohort. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, he said, what is it, Lord? He answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day in Joppa, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up into heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They answered, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Peter went in and found that many had assembled, and he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius described his vision and how he came to send for Peter. Then he said, Therefore I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. 
Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter came up to Jerusalem, the believers of Jewish heritage criticized him, criticized him saying, Why did you go to Gentiles and eat with them? Peter described his vision of the sheet with the animals and how he was sent by the Spirit to Cornelius' home. Then he said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 103 with the Antiphon. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. Now, beloved, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 6, verses 43 to 45, and chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. 
The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. No one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. Then pay attention to how you listen, for to those who have, more will be given. And from those who do not have, even what they seem to have will be taken away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Our summer preaching series is entitled, Toward a Common Hope. We find this summer that we preach against the tide, given the other preaching of division, exclusion, and isolation that surrounds us, The idea of a common anything is a hard sell. And while hope is vital if we are to live and to know what we hope for in detail is essential, hope also requires common action if it is to be fulfilled hope in the world. Nowadays, our problem is also often that we don't know what to hope for or know the hope we could have. The chaos just keeps coming, so there is no stability on which to stand or from which to act. We are so busy and scheduled that it is more than enough to just make it through the day. And often our personal, national, and planetary news is so dire that our hope feels crushed even if we we were able at one point to have it. So how do we recognize our hope, encourage one another, and find allies in hope that will help us make the changes that will expand our hope and enable us to go on? Our story from the book of Acts recounts one way that a group of people recognized a hope that they did not know they had, and they recognized new allies even amongst many differences. The story also describes an action that we can take to help us recognize our hope, recognize our allies, and take one action that is a building block for our present and future common hope. The book of the Acts of the Apostles is known in some circles as the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and our story this morning is also known as the Gentile Pentecost. It begins with visions. Cornelius, a Gentile, sees and hears an angel of God who tells him to send for Simon Peter, a Christian believer of Jewish heritage, so that Cornelius can be recognized for his devotion and generosity before God. Simon Peter, Jesus' disciple and a leader in the growing Jesus movement, has three visions, all the same. A sort of sheet is lowered from heaven that contains animals both allowed and forbidden to eat 
by Jewish dietary laws. A voice tells him to get up and kill and eat any of the animals. Peter refuses to do this in obedience to the dietary laws, and then the voice tells him, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This dictum is further reinforced for Peter when the Holy Spirit tells him to go with Cornelius' messengers without hesitation, for the Spirit's own self has sent them. Peter invites the messengers in for the night and then goes with them to Cornelius' home, where a mixed group of Gentile family and friends has gathered. In Cornelius and Peter's day, this behavior was countercultural. Roman officers did not usually seek to emulate the religious practices of those toward whom they were given military orders. Nor did they usually invite complete strangers of a different social class and of a populace under Roman rule into their homes amongst family and friends. As for Peter, Christian believers of Jewish heritage did not mix with Gentiles in their personal or religious lives. And while Cornelius was a very good guy, he was also a slaveholder and an officer of the army that occupied and subjugated Israel. Neither Cornelius nor Peter's behavior is within the norm. In fact, both of them go far beyond it. Cornelius welcomes Peter and his companions warmly, describes their meeting as being in the presence of a God who is God to them all, and he and his family and friends are willing to listen to what Peter and his companions have to say as words that God has commanded them to bring. Peter, for his part, has taken his vision and the Spirit speaking to heart and begins his teaching with these words. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. The story of the Gentile Pentecost continues as just that, a time of sign and wonder that echoes the first Pentecost. To the astonishment of Peter's companions, the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all the Gentiles in the room. They begin to speak in tongues and glorify and praise God for the good news of Jesus Christ that Peter has brought to them. This sign is enough for Peter to decide to baptize Cornelius and his family and friends and for them all to visit together for several days. Very unexpectedly, they all are now allies in the common hope they have together in Jesus Christ. This story marks the beginning of fulfillment, not just of Cornelius' vision and Peter's vision, not just of the sign and wonder and hope of a Gentile Pentecost. This story marks the fulfillment of God's hope, of God's vision of inclusion for the Church's expansion into the world. And the story of the Gentile Pentecost is also a story of conflict. The apostles and believers of Jewish heritage in the Jerusalem church had not attended the celebration in Cornelius' home. They had not had visions. They had not heard voices. They had not seen the sign. They criticized Peter for visiting with Gentiles and eating with them. 
But when Peter told them all that had happened from his vision on, including the Gentiles' baptism, the ones who criticized were silenced. They were silenced by their recognition of the enormous new thing that God had done, by a hope that they didn't even know they had. And then, as we have read in the Gospel of Luke, they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Visions, voices, and signs. It's a bit different now. We who have been kicking around in the faith for a while would love to have regular, obvious visions, voices, and signs with clear directions to recognize what to hope for and what to do, tips on how to encourage each other, and ways to find allies. And that is not to say that we don't have them, visions, voices, and signs, more intermittently, or that we may not yet have them, and they are no longer frequent. John Wesley, the founder of my faith tradition of Methodism, wrote that the reason we do not have these things is that we do not have the faith to receive them. And even if we don't have visions or voices or signs, we still have intuition, gut, imagination, hunch, mother wit, feeling, no such thing as coincidence, hairs on the backs of our necks, and so on. And if we don't have even these, we all still have one gift from God, can take one action. We can practice this gift, this action. With it, we can be in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It can be a building block for a common hope and for that hope's fulfillment in the world. Because the larger story of the Gentile Pentecost is actually made of a series of stories. And in each of these stories, the one thing that everybody does is listen. They listen to the voices of the Spirit. They listen to the unknown languages. But most of all, they listen to each other's stories. And in that way, they all hear the Spirit and the unknown languages, and all the stories become part of everybody's common story. They listen in the broad sense, not only or even with ears, but with an open heart and a willingness to understand. They listen in a way that anyone can do to receive whatever communication that might come to them from another person. They listen with respect and full attention and by any means necessary. Even if they cannot understand the languages, listening to them allows for translation and carries significant meaning. Each of the smaller stories and the larger story, the story of the Spirit, of Cornelius and of his family and friends, of Peter and of his companions, of the apostles and believers in Jerusalem, all these and all of our stories only have meaning if someone listens to them. This is not the kind of listening that many of us so often do, not the kind in which we nod our heads and make encouraging noises, while all the while thinking not of what the other person is saying, but of what we want to say instead or in response. 
Neither is it the kind of listening that demands lockstep ideological purity all the way through all the issues. Instead, it is the kind of listening that allows us to welcome our allies where we find them. Dr. Kenneth Elmore, Associate Provost and Dean of Students at Boston University, noted in an interview given at the School of Theology that if we have one point of agreement with a person, no matter our other differences, we have an ally on that point. And it is from that one point that we can move to find other points of alliance. This is an important thing to remember in our time that so promotes division and discord. If the apostles and believers of Jewish heritage had listened to Peter and his companions only with the demand for continued ideological purity, there is a good chance that many of us would not be listening to this service of worship. There's nothing wrong with criticism and disagreement. They are often a consequence of the Spirit's work, and they often open up discussion and creativity as the demand for ideological purity does not. In the Church, we are all both Gentiles and believers of Jewish heritage at any given time. My friend Lucy is a Methodist minister. She tells the story of a time in the middle years of her ministry. At a conference, she was paired for a conversation with a woman who turned out to be a Native American tradition bearer for one of the tribes in New England. While she and Lucy were much of an age, in many ways they were very different. Aside from the differences in faith tradition, Lucy is very white and privileged by any of the world's standards. Her Native American companion, as became clear in their mutual telling of their stories, while privileged in many ways, by many of the world's standards, was not so privileged. Some people would see them as natural adversaries rather than as colleagues or allies. And yet they shared profound similarities that deeply moved both of them. The elders in both their traditions were beginning to die, so now they themselves were becoming the elders. The responsibility for carrying their traditions lay a bit heavy on both of them. Had they learned their traditions well enough? Were they skilled enough in the ways necessary to help pass their traditions along to the next generation? Were they skilled enough to help their communities face the challenges and use the gifts of their traditions as well as those of the present day? They found that the joys and sorrows of their callings were much the same, as were the personal challenges and growth they had experienced. And they found a common hope in the goods they wanted for their communities and in the resilience and adaptability of their traditions. Neither was converted to the other's belief system. There was no thought of that. Further conversations might indeed have revealed areas of profound disagreement and even conflict between them. And yet in that time, as they listened deeply to each other's story, they unexpectedly realized that they were allies, each working in her own way and in her own community to fulfill a common hope of inclusion and peace. 
As they listened and talked together, they both found encouragement and strength for their own hopes of what might be possible. There were no plans for follow-up. It wasn't that kind of conversation and really did not need to be. Lucy has never seen her colleague and ally again. And she often thinks of and prays for her and her community and even sends money to projects Lucy knows may support their common hope. Their time together was a time of mutual inclusion and alliance, and Lucy considers it a blessed touchstone in her life. As we read in the Gospel of Luke, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. To listen is to take action, and the act of listening is a building block for a common hope. To listen to the truth of another person that brings us joy, to listen to the truth of another person that may make us uncomfortable, these things allow us to cooperate with the Spirit in its work of inclusion. As we listen to God and to one another, even in the midst of disagreement and division, we can discover what to hope for or the hope that we could have. We, fu- we can find allies on just one point. And with a common hope and with allies, we can begin to fulfill our hope in this place and time. As we read in the Gospel of Luke, then pay attention to how you listen. Amen.
be seated. Good morning. We welcome you again to Marsh Chapel this morning. Thank you for joining us as a, as a part of our community of worship today, whether you're here in the sanctuary listening over the radio or live stream on the internet or later via the podcast. For those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. This will help us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. Today is a communion Sunday. All are welcome to receive communion in this place. Bread will be distributed in the center aisle. Um, I will be distributing bread. A gluten-free option is available upon request. Wine will be on the pulpit side, on the far side for me, and grape juice will be on the lectern side. A healing prayer station will be available under the first set of windows uh, on the pulpit side for those who wish to take part. Following the service, please join us for our monthly covered dish luncheon downstairs in the Marsh Room. All are welcome. Next week, we continue our summer preaching series toward a common hope with the newest colleague on the Marsh Chapel staff, the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman. Reverend Karen is the Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. She earned both her Master's of Divinity and Doctorate of Ministry degrees from Episcopal Divinity School. Next week will be her very first time offering the homily here at Marsh, so please join us to support her as we welcome her to the pulpit for the first time. We are in the midst of the Midsummer Calm Ave Bridge replacement here on BU's campus. For those of you sitting in the pews, congratulations on navigating your way through the closed streets and detours this morning. Construction is scheduled to end on August 11th, which is next Saturday, meaning that regular traffic patterns should resume for next Sunday's worship services. For updates on the bridge construction, please visit bu.edu slash CAP bridge. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit the chapel website at bu.edu slash chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
that we have is thine alone. A trust, O oh Lord, from thee. Bless and multiply these gifts that the giving may become receiving, and the receiving may become giving. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dearly beloved, the Lord is with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, it is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit moved over the face of the waters. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. The Spirit came upon prophets and teachers, anointing them to speak your word. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven and giving voice to all creation, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. of sin. The Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always. We remember how when Jesus sat at supper with his friends, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave the cup to his disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is the sign of a new covenant, sealed with my blood, for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Each time you drink this, remember me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by the disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. 
And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
and let us pray together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of the Holy Spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. beloved let us go from this place in peace to listen to the spirit to one another to the people that we disagree with to the people we may not like for we go in the name of God who makes us who loves us who keeps us in everything amen <laughs> 